0: contrary aunt maria donna maria to outsiders was fine looking the victim of a haughty manner which both fascinated men and kept them at a distance she was courted with circumspection by even the boldest and most passionate spirits not a light cross to bear and then there was julia julia was a lovely crazy redhead and a mass of freckles She had fled from Venice on account of a scandal no one dared talk about, but quite a few in town would spit on the ground as she passed, and there was no shortage of bigots who would cross themselves to ward off Pape Satan. She was six years older than me, and when I caught sight of her, even at a distance, I blushed. She wasn't in a madhouse because she was a Candiani, and gentlefolk, at least in those days, did not end up inside. Indeed, they were not even mad, simply eccentric. A gentleman was a kleptomaniac, not a thief, and a lady was a nymphomaniac, never a whore. That night of November the 9th, when the Germans took over my room, I went to sleep up in the loft, a long room nine meters by five, with four dormer windows and such low larchwood beams that I had to mind my head. There, Grandpa and I shared a palias, dumped straight on the attic floorboards, splintery as they were, whereas Grandma was allowed to stay in her own bedroom. The defeat of the Italian army was an ignominy that each and every enemy soldier cast in our teeth. I was then 17, going on 18, and to see the enemy lording it in my own home was excruciating. Those born in 1899 were already in the trenches, and in a few months' time, it would be my turn. In a little while, they'll be in Rome to free the Pope, so they say. Well, there's honor among thieves, say I. Grandpa considered the priests only a step, and a rather small one at that, above tax collectors. Those ugly customers in skirts have as much imagination as a turkey, but the cunning of a fox and a snake combined. They are the great pestilence of creation, worse than Job's boils. See here, Buddha doesn't have priests. And he looked me straight in the eye, something he rarely did since I lost my parents. Or if he does, they are not Austriophiles. He spat into the palm of his hand, which he wiped on his enormous handkerchief. I was fond of Grandpa. He abandoned his nightcap only at about ten in the morning, and even then unwillingly. That night, however, he had to manage without it. A private and a corporal had tied him to a chair, and while one jabbed his rifle butt into his breastbone and the other tickled his throat with the point of his bayonet, they had tried to force him to say where the family jewelry was hidden. It was lucky that Grandma, unbeknownst to him, had managed to hide the most precious things, along with a handful of gold sovereigns, in the bag of one of her enemas. Objects too humble and too closely associated with feces to tickle the appetite of the predators. I am concerned for Maria. Of course, if there's anyone who can put a scare into a German, it's her, said Grandpa, flopping down on the Palliasse. The dry maize leaves of the stuffing crunched beneath his weight. He gazed up at the beams with moist eyes, but he didn't want me to sense his fear. Our lives, our property, everything was at the mercy of the enemy. War and loot are the only faithful married couple, he said. I lay down beside him. Grandpa was really fond of my aunt. She's a woman of grace and initiative, he would say. She was the daughter of his brother, who had gone down in the wreck of the Empress of Ireland in May 1914, along with his wife and my own parents, during the voyage which everyone in the family called the Great Disaster. Since then, she had been entrusted with the running of the villa, perhaps because my education was seen to, albeit with fitful zeal, by my grandmother. Have you ever looked closely into your aunt's eyes? So green and as firm as two stones. Do you know what?